Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be back here. Um, I'm very excited to introduce our speaker for this morning, um, my very good friend Lisette Lewis. I met Lisette back in 2005 in Virginia Beach when I was involved with Virginia Beach United Methodist, and she was a teacher in Chesapeake City Schools. Um, and she got involved with our singles group at the church that I was well, I was in charge of the singles ministry in, back then. And she used her skills and talents, got involved with the youth group. But I was very sad, happy for her, sad for us, when she was called to go to Kenya, um, where she used both her talents and training in the – she was called to use what she did for a living in service and missionary work, where she went and she taught missionaries' kids at Tenwick Hospital in Kenya. And she was there for two years. Um, that time, I was very blessed to be able to be involved and feel involved in her mission work um, through being able to provide her with support and prayers and getting fun Skype phone calls on occasion <laughs> from Kenya. Um, she moved back to the U.S., uh, and went to Kentucky about the time that I moved here to start my training at Candler School of Theology. Um, so she's been a very good friend over the years. She's been a very good witness, strong family, and just a very strong faith. And she is planning on returning to Kenya this fall and would like to share a little bit about her work in Kenya, Tenwick Hospital, and her plans. And I ask you all to give her a warm welcome. Thank you all so much for having me. Can you all hear me? Yeah. All right. Um, it is great to be back in Georgia. I grew up in Rome, just up the road. Um, no longer live here, but my parents and my family are, um, are still here. It's nice to be back in the United Methodist Church. Three of my four grandparents were United Methodist pastors, two of them here in northwest Georgia. So it's, um, it's a blessing to be back um, in the United Methodist Church and back in Georgia. Okay. It feels like coming home. Um, I'm going to begin by telling you a little bit about my background and how a girl from Rome Georgia ended up as a non-medical person working at a, a mission hospital compound in Africa. I'll tell you a little bit about what Tenwick does, and then hopefully at the end we'll have some time for questions and answers if there's something you would like to know about me or about Tenwick or about Kenya in general. Um, it's, it is, a, I think, an exciting thing that you all have a youth group there on a mission trip right now. That's a pretty interesting coincidence, so um, it's good timing. It's good timing. All right. Um, as you can see, um, there's my lovely picture. We're going <laughs> <we're gonna> to begin today with a story from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read it through from here. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. There are times in our Christian walk, in our ministries, when we cannot get where we need to be on our own. We need faithful friends coming alongside of us to help us carry our mat um, and lay it down in front of Jesus. My name is Lisette Lewis, and I am a mat carrier. I live and work, or have lived and have worked, and will return to Tenwick Hospital in rural sub-Saharan Africa, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. 
Uh, I don't vaccinate children or deliver babies. Thank goodness. Hallelujah. Um, I don't set broken bones or perform surgery. I teach children so that their parents can do those things. As I mentioned before, I grew up in Rome, Georgia. Um, Oh, there's Tenwick Hospital. Those are my lovely students right there. I grew up in Rome, Georgia, just up the road in a really strong Christian family. My parents are both preacher's kids. Um, And uh, I used to be very hesitant to tell people this, but um, I cannot pinpoint the day that I became a Christian. It's uh, something that grew very gradually in me, and I can point to many turning points in my faith and many times when the Lord moved in my life. But I cannot honestly point to any of those and say that was the beginning of my walk. Um, I was always very shy about telling people that until in the wake of Ruth Bell Graham's death, I learned that she was the same way. So I figure I'm in pretty good company. When I was a kid, I'm a lot like my dad. My dad is a writer. Um, I'm a very strong introvert, and um, after growing up in a very large, loud Southern family, um, the idea of um, of working on my own and being a writer really appealed to me. <laughs> um, and so that was the plan I had for my life. Um, I always loved working with kids, but my mom was a teacher. She runs a preschool there um, at Trinity United Methodist in Rome. And so I, as a 17-year-old, that's not you don't want to follow in your mom's footsteps. That's not cool. And so uh, I was not going to be a teacher, even though I loved working with kids. Um, but my senior year, I was... Uh, helping provide child care during the evening revival services at church. And I was talking to this little six-year-old named Stephen. He's now in college, so if you're trying to guess my age, that will give you some parameters. Um, uh, And uh, I don't remember what he said. I just remember that it made me laugh. And I thought, man, I love this. I love talking to kids. I could do this all day. And this little voice said, then why don't you? And I thought, oh, that's it. I want to be a teacher. And so that next, um, I walked out of church that night knowing that God had called me into education and called me to be a teacher. And so that next fall, I left for Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. Um, It's where my dad's family is from. And so I um, majored in elementary education and through um, Asbury College was just exposed to a lot of missionaries and a lot of mission theology. Um, And at the end of my time there, I went with a team from from Asbury through World Gospel Mission to Papua New Guinea, um, a world away, and for the first time really had my eyes opened to a new world and a new culture, um, and God really used that experience to show me that there was something greater out there, um, and that was what he had planned for me. I remember as we were leaving Papua New Guinea, the um, taking off in the plane and watching the ground disappear below me, and that same little voice said, you're, you're going to be back, this isn't the end. And I thought at the time that God was going to call me back to Papua New Guinea. So I came back to the United States and kind of waited to see what God had in store. And I moved to Virginia Beach with my college roommate. She was going to law school out there. And so we got an apartment together. She started law school, and I started teaching fourth grade. And uh, there are a lot of things I can say about that year. I love my church. Uh, I loved the area. I hated teaching. Um, <laughs> it was uh, most first-year teachers can tell you that it was it's a it's a very difficult adjustment to the to the real world and um, to you know your ideals versus the reality of the public school system. Um, it was a very difficult year, um, and there are times. Um, I think there are times when God just has to make you really uncomfortable where you are um, in order to move you on. And so when at Christmas time my roommate got engaged uh, and she started planning her new life, um, I started planning mine as well. 
And so I applied to the Volunteers in Action program through World Gospel Mission, and I was convinced I was never going to teach again. That was, that was out of the cards. That was not an option. And so I started asking them about children's homes around the world. And uh, so we started looking at those options. Let's see what my next slide is. Oh, okay. We're not there yet. The slides are mostly somewhat to give you an idea of what Tenwick is like and a lot to remind me of what to say. So, <laughs> uh, and so uh, um, I, we got to the end of this, towards the end of the school year, but nothing was really working out with children's homes. Um, and I kept praying, Lord, I, I know you've called me into missions, and I know I'm not supposed to teach. I know that's not an option. Um, but the, my very last week of teaching in Chesapeake, I got an email from World Gospel Mission. They said, we have this group of moms at Tenwick Hospital in Kenya, and we know that you've expressed an interest just in working in children's homes, but they need a teacher for their kids. And you're a certified teacher. Would you be interested? And it is proof that the Holy Spirit still does mighty miracles in our world today because um, God in that instant changed my heart. And, um, and I wrote her back and I said, that sounds amazing. Where do I sign my name? I want to do that. And so four very whirlwind months later, um, I was landing in Kenya. It was kind of a wild summer, a very different summer for our family. Um, but I landed at Tenwick Hospital. Just to give you a little bit of a background, um, Tenwick actually has their roots um, in Asbury College, where I went to school. Um, give you a very brief history because I think it's a great story. Um, back in the 1930s, a group of four students from Asbury felt called through an evening um, prayer meeting to, to Kenya. And so they approached, they got in a car, and they drove up to Chicago to the National Holiness Association. And um, they asked them, they said, we feel called to Kenya, to the evangelization of the Kenyan people. And the National Holiness Association said, well, that's great, but we're only involved in China. We don't have the money or the resources to expand to a new field. So good luck, but we can't help you. And so those four students got back in the car, drove back to Kentucky, in the meantime, um, the National Holiness Association got a call from a lawyer. A very wealthy widow, widow in the area had passed away and bequeathed her entire estate. She'd never met or um, met any missionaries from this organization, but she bequeathed her entire estate to them specifically for the evangelization of the Kenyan people. And so the, um, the board called those four students back and said, never mind, we can't help you, so <laughs> come on back. And so those four students from Asbury um, went to Kenya and, um, and ended up working with the Kipsigese people in the Western Highlands and, in fact, found a piece of prime property, beautiful open hillside overlooking a river and a beautiful large waterfall. Excuse me. And it was prime, beautiful property, but nobody in the area wanted it. It had been the site of a female circumcision camp um, many years before, and a number of girls had died, and the land was considered cursed. And so they were more than happy to give this, this prime piece of property to the missionaries. And, of course, missionaries who believe in the power of redemption um, were more than happy to take it. And so um, they planted a church but soon realized that um, in addition to the spiritual needs, there were some great physical needs. And so they wrote to um, their mission board, which had that, at that time was in the process, I think, at that time of becoming World Gospel Mission and moving their headquarters down to Indiana. And so they wrote to them and asked them for nurses. And so they sent two nurses over 
They built a, um, two small nursing dispensary buildings right on that hillside. Um, and those nurses um, soon realized that there was a greater need. They needed much more than nurses. They needed a doctor. And so the missionaries there started praying. And for 15 years, they prayed and they prayed. Um, and finally, in, um, in 1959, Dr. Ernie Story and his wife Sue, also from Asbury, um, God called them to Kenya, and they became the first doctors at Tenwick Hospital. And so, and today it has grown from a very small nursing dispensary to the largest Protestant mission hospital in all of Africa. Um, it is, excuse me, it is currently a 305 bed hospital, um, but it is expanding um, to with a new eye ward, a state of the art eye facility um, for the the eye problems that are all too common in that area. And so, I'm actually at this time I don't know how many beds that will add, but quite a few. Um, Tenwick has a number of different ministries. In addition to being a medical, medical facility, it is also a teaching facility. They have a nursing school. That's our up on the top right-hand corner. They have a community health outreach that sends teams out into areas to do a lot of preventative care for moms and young babies. You can see that down at the bottom over there. And they do a lot of testing, HIV, TB testing, um, and a lot of preventative medicine for people who wouldn't come in for just checkups at a hospital. Um, but they go up to four hours away um, every day. There are teams that travel out. Um, these are, anybody know what these are? Um, those are actually, <laughs> good guess, but those are actually water filters um, that community health carries out to the different communities um, and sets them um, and provides them to churches and schools um, to provide clean water in the community. Um, now, while most of the dads of the missionary families that I work with, the, the hospital is now run by Kenyans. It's under Kenyan leadership, which is the goal of most um, mission organizations. You eventually want your ministries to be taken over um, by the nationals. You want to raise up national leaders. Um, and that is the case, but there are still between a dozen and 20 missionary families that live and work at Tenwick Hospital. Um, and while most of the dads are doctors, physicians in the hospital, many of the moms run ministries outside of the hospital. These are the BEMS. Um, Dr. BEM is a pediatrician at Tenwick Hospital. Um, he and his wife, Amy, have seven kids. Three of them are um, their biological kids, and four are um, adopted Kenyan kids. Um, and they run uh, an orphanage resource um, support system for a lot of the local orphanages, um, and here they are handing out Bibles to uh, to some of the seniors. This is at Mostop Orphanage, um, about an hour away from um, Tenwick. Linda um, is another mom there at Tenwick. Her husband John is an internist at Tenwick, and she has um, one of the more interesting testimonies. She served for many years as a nurse in the Congo um, on her own, didn't get married till much later in life, and um, was part of a group, um, one of the last groups that was evacuated out of the Congo when everything went south there. Um, she has very interesting stories. But she started a, a women's Bible study in her kitchen with three Kenyan women, it grew so large that um, the women didn't fit in her house anymore. And so she split them up into groups and every week began teaching a Bible lesson to a group of leaders. And then those leaders would go out and teach a group in their homes. And then her leaders group grew so large that she now teaches a group of leaders in her home every week a Bible lesson. They go out and teach another group of leaders in their homes. 
And then those women go out and teach another group. And so she has a network of well over a thousand women in Bible study in that area of Kenya. It's very exciting. And they've distributed thousands and thousands of Bibles um, to women in, um, in our area. So it's just exploded her ministry. Um, that's Teresa. Teresa also does a lot of discipleship with women in the community, as well as coordinating a lot of the visitors that come to the hospital, a lot of the visiting doctors. Um, one of the other families, the Roberts, you can't, I don't think you can see them in that picture. Um, they're kind of back there. Um, but this is um, the Bible quizzing. Um, if you've heard of Bible quizzing here, um, they, these kids all studied the book of Acts and their teams competed against each other um, for, uh, for prizes. They had, it has grown. The first year we did it, I think we had 50 kids involved. I was one of the coaches um, when we first started. Um, they, this past spring, they invited kids from Amoja Children's Home in Mosop. You saw pictures of kids from Mosop earlier um, to be a part of the Bible quizzing teams um, and help provide them transport to the competitions. They had over 200 kids in the community studying the book of Acts, and many of them memorized um, much of the book. Um, and so it was very, very exciting. So there are a number of different ministries that they are involved in. Unfortunately, when there is not a teacher there for the missionary kids, those ministries get put on the back burner while the moms homeschool their kids. There's actually not been a full-time teacher since I left five years ago. And so um, they've had a teacher who was there for about three months at the end of the school year. Um, but most of the time, the moms co-op and have to, have to cut back on their own ministries. Um, in order to homeschool. This is our schoolroom. This is the Tenwick MK School. Um, it's much like a regular American classroom. Uh, I focus mainly on the elementary school students. Um, these, uh, that's Kayla up there reading her journal. As you can see, it looks like a lot of classrooms here in the United States, um, except we have more windows. She's very excited. And she's barefoot, that's right. Um, we go weeks at a time without actually putting on shoes. So it's beautiful. I tried that here in the United States, and they told me I had to wear shoes to work. <laughs> so those were my um, six main students. As you can imagine, with only six students in a classroom, you get a lot done. Um, and so that's Kayla, Abby, David, Joel, Peter, and Jamie. They're all now in eighth grade. Most of them are at boarding school. Peter's family, Peter's brother just finished his first year at Asbury College, um, for actually where I am living, near where I am living. And so his family is back in the U.S. for this year. Um, and Joel's older sisters um, are, have just graduated from high school, so they're moving back to the United States as well. These are my... Um, these were my preschoolers when I was there before. Um, I worked mainly in the morning with the elementary school kids and then did some extra classes in the afternoon with the preschoolers. Um, and these guys will be my middle schoolers this time around, believe it or not. They are in sixth grade. This is actually a more accurate picture. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. Um, these are my middle schoolers. Um, it's a fun story. Steven right there in the foreground in the red shirt. Um, made a very unusual choice for an MK. Rather than go to college after he graduated, he has joined the Air Force. Um, most MKs don't go into the military. Um, it's kind of an unusual thing. And he actually just had a long break and surprised his family this past weekend. Showed back up in Africa. Um, I don't know. I think his dad knew that he was coming, but none, nobody else knew. He just walked into the house. So um, they're obviously very... Um, very excited to see him. They have missed him a lot. And obviously, 
not just going through the culture shock of, of coming back to the United States and leaving your child home childhood home behind, um, but also going through basic training. It's been a very difficult year for Stephen, mm -hmm. so I know that it's, um, it's a very exciting thing. His sister, Melody, is right behind him. And so they are all, um, these guys are all at the end of high school or finishing up their first year of college right now. And there's another picture. If you notice, the there are different desks in this picture. Our second year, we had a local carpenter build um, some new desks that actually fit the middle schoolers, <laughs> believe it or not. So there you go. Um, they are mostly doctor's kids. They have a proclivity towards science, so we do a lot of science activities. Um, I'm always a little nervous. Science was not my strongest point in school, and so I was, especially when I was teaching some middle school science classes, I was always concerned I was, was going to get a phone call from a dad telling me that I said something wrong in class, but of course that, was, that never happened. Um, we have some very interesting um, creatures that come into the classroom. I've chased chickens out of my classrooms, um, killed all kinds of bugs and insects. Um, but this is my, by far my favorite. Does anybody know what this is? It's a chameleon. Um, and they do change color. They turn black when they are mad. Kenyans um, who were very superstitious, the Kenyans who are very superstitious, um, think of them as pretty satanic. They, they're kind of skittish around them because they turn black when you irritate them. My students found this one. He was in a fight with another chameleon, and he was getting drugged by his tail up a tree. So he was pretty mad. Um, <laughs> so there we go. Um, I was there in Kenya for two years. I moved back to the United States in 2008 um, and have been back here um, for five years teaching at a really wonderful Christian school in Kentucky. Um, I've actually been teaching art. Um, it was my minor in college, and God provided um, a very, what is one of the easiest jobs in all of education. Um, I, I did not tell my bosses that till after I left. Um, but I actually felt like it was a very easy, low-pressure job in education. It was a very um, a wonderful school and a wonderful place to be. But um, after several years there, God really showed me that that was not what he had in mind for me long-term, that, um, that they still needed a teacher at Tenwick, and I was called to, to fulfill that. And so I'm, uh, my goal is to move back this coming fall um, to be there for another two years. I would um, like the program that I'm under is kind of an internship program. I have a mentor there on the field um, in Kenya that I will be working with and meeting with. Um, but I would like to, after, after I'm done with these two years, I would like to be there more permanently. They need a full-time teacher there, so they're not always scrambling and wondering what's going to happen for the next school year for their kids. Um, and their ministries and, um, and what adjustments they're going to have to make if there's not a teacher. So there is a need, and I would like to be part of that long-term solution. Um, but um, at this time, I'll be moving back for two years. Um, this slide actually is just to remind me what to say, because I'll always skip over this part. Um, so um, my goal is to be there by Labor Day um, to start school um, so we can start school shortly after that. But in order to get the training I need um, and to be there at, the, at that time, I'm still in great need of monthly supporters. We are about 50% of my budget right now, but are in still, still in need of about $1,800 a month in monthly support. So if you're interested in, in partnering with me and helping me carry my mat in that way um, by contributing $10, $15, $20, $50 a month, I would love to talk to you about that. There are prayer cards 
over there. There's also a sign-up sheet if you're um, interested in getting my monthly newsletter, semi-monthly, almost monthly. I try to get it out monthly. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's monthly. Um, newsletter. Um, also, if you take a card, um, my website is on the back, and I also do some regular updates um, and kind of reflections on, on life in Kenya um, on my website. It's different. It's a different... I tell different stories and try to give different information than what's in my newsletter. So um, that is over there as well. Um, you can also take a bag of free Kenyan tea. Kenyans are known for their, for their tea. Um, we've actually, actually had the privilege of touring a tea factory there. Most of the, the tea here in the U.S., um, especially Lipton, buys most of their tea from Kenya. And so, so it's, but it's better than Lipton. Um, the, <laughs> the, the guys at the tea factory will tell you that what they send to America is what they sweep off the floor. Uh, <laughs> they send the good tea to Britain, the, some of the other, tea, you know, the great, you know, the, the best tea to Britain and to India, um, and then they, they give us the floor sweepings. Um, but <laughs> so we have, um, you can take a free tea bag over there as well as a card. And there's a, a book called Miracle at Tenwick about the first doctor there. If you're interested in that, um, um, you can talk to me about that. I hope that's okay. Um, to, um, I think they're I think they're twelve dollars a piece. Um, if you're interested in in purchasing a book about that, so thank you all so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Um, and we have a do to do oh. Um, those are our prayer requests. Um, if you are interested in praying for me right now, um, I have a lot of traveling and a lot of speaking and a lot of work to do this coming summer. If we are going to be there um, by, if I'm going to be there by uh, by Labor Day, um, and so if you would keep in mind just endurance for me, um, the parents um, who are already in Kenya. Um, and the work they do, and the MKs, uh, the missionary kids who are graduating in just a few weeks. Um, many missionary kids have a really difficult time. Not only are they graduating from high school, but they're leaving their childhood home behind. And many of them will never go back to live there full time. It'll just be a vacation um, for them when they can to go back and visit their families. And so it's often a very difficult transition when they move back to the United States. Um, and so, and uh, there's a great need for missionary teachers around the world. Most mission agencies will tell you that that is one of their needs. Um, I g go every year to Louisville to a missions conference. It's actually a medical missions conference um, geared towards prospective um, doctors and nurses who are going into missions. But um, at every booth, one of the needs they list is MK teachers, which is interesting because it's not an education conference, um, but it's one of the great needs around the world for missionaries. <laughs> your living accommodations? Um, the hospital has a number of different kind of apartment buildings on the compound. The hospital is up on a hill, that same hill that we mentioned before, um, and most of the missionaries live um, below, the, down the hill around, and so it's just a small cement block apartment. It's part of a five, we call it the five-plex. They're two larger apartments for families up top and three small two-bedroom. Um, it's a little kitchen, living area, um, it was actually larger than my apartment in Virginia Beach, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, larger living room, anyway. And so um, I'll actually probably end up living in the same house that I apartment that I did before, which I really liked. Um, so, any other questions? What kind of school do the local children have? Um, there are a number of schools um, in the area. Um, Kenyan schools are very different. Um, 
Kenyans really see education as their salvation. I think it's um, um, it's both a blessing and a curse. Um, my friend Julie and I used to go walking in the morning. We would start around 6.15, and there were already kids sitting at their desk in school reading. Um, and very often, especially as the older kids get nearer to their exam time, they have national exams that they have to pass in order to move on to um, to to college or to university education, um, they will often spend 12 hours a day at school. Um, there's Because there are not very many books, um, there's a lot of straight memorization. The, the teacher will read a passage in the class and they will recite it back to her. And we can hear that. There's actually a school right across the road from our little classroom, and you can hear them all day long, the kids reading together and reciting together. Um, so they are actually very good at things like Bible quizzing and very good at memorizing scripture because that's how they do things in school. There's not a lot of critical thinking skills, not a lot of, um, of problem solving. It's a lot of straight memorization. Um, but very often they'll have 60 kids in a class um, or, you know, just what we would consider astronomical. But because education um, is seen as such an important thing for them, which is good in some ways, um, um, the behavior is not really an issue. You would think that with 60 kids it would just be out of control, but it's not really. Um, but it's, it's, it's also kind of a detriment in many ways, their val the value they place on education. Um, men will leave their families for years at a time in order to go into cities and pursue education um, and to pursue further schooling, and it has really led to the breakdown of family and to the spread of HIV, because often when they go into cities, they're not faithful when they're away from their wives for years at, time, at a time. And then they, you know, then they go back to their wives and spread it back into the countryside as well. So... Yes, sir. We hear a lot about how fast the church is growing mm -hmm. in Africa, yeah. Kenya. And when you describe the breakdown of teachers teaching, teachers teaching, and kids memorizing the book of Acts and understanding it, I think that's that contributes to the growth. It really does. And um, Kenya is a very interesting country because it has always been pretty fr friendly towards missionaries, unlike a lot of places, especially in northern Africa, that are very he heavily Islamic, that really um, you can't go in as a missionary. You have to go in under some other profession. Um, they call them creative access countries because you have to be creative about how you describe <laughs> yourself. Um, and in Kenya, they... Um, they say that it's, and it's changing a little bit, um, especially in the cities and along the coast where more and more Muslims are evangelizing there. But they say that 96 or 97 percent of Kenya identify as Christian. But what that really means is that 97 percent of them looked at the census form and said, well, I'm not Muslim. And so they check Christian. Um, I'm not Muslim. I'm not Buddhist. And so it is actually a very well evangelized country, but it's not a well discipled country. And so a lot of the um, a lot of the missionaries, while there are some unreached groups in the area, a lot of the missionaries these days are focusing on discipleship rather than evangelization. Because a lot of people have heard the gospel story, they just have not had the chance to grow in their faith. But it is the church is really there's a hunger for it. Um, there's a hunger and a need for it, obviously, as there is anywhere else. Yes, sir. I guess I'm disturbed about the uh, emphasis on memorization. Um, do the kids learn to, to think? Uh, do they understand what they're memorizing? Um, what I'm getting at? Very often, yes. Um, I, 
honestly, I did not spend a lot of time in the Kenyan schools. Um, obviously, I've, as a teacher, I think that teaching critical thinking and problem-solving skills is, is incredibly important, and I, I don't like the straight memorization idea. Um, and so there are a lot of things that can be improved. Um, yeah, certainly. It's, um, and sometimes they do understand, but not all the time. And that goes all the way through the, uh, the high school level, you think? I think so, yes. But I mean, things are changing, and, um, and uh, there are there are new and exciting things happening. But just I don't think quickly enough. If they see education as salvation, what is it getting them? Um, just more prosperity, um, and it's it's why men are willing to sacrifice five, six years of time with family in order to to try to get them ahead. Because they want it, they want to be affluent. They want to be, um, they want the same things that we have here. So is that business? I mean, they're going into business. Business. Um, I mean, the the head of the nursing. He's now the head of the nursing school, but he was a nurse at at Tenwick for many years. He spent a, a lot of time in Nairobi away from his family in order to pursue further schooling. But is your area still mostly agricultural? Yes, it's very um, it's very agricultural. The Kipsigese people that um, that are mainly in the area, the hospital serves as a referral center for millions of people in the area. It's one of the premier and state of art facilities, which is very unusual for a rural setting. Um, you don't find that in many places. Most of the the high tech state of the art places are in cities, um, but it's just the way that it has worked out for us. Um, but Oh, agricultural, yes. So most of the people um, survive, uh, survive on subsistence gardens. They grow most of their own food. Um, the two main foods that they eat are sukumawiki, which is kale that is stewed, and ugali, which is cornmeal that's been cooked until it's really stiff. Um, I don't like ugali unless it has a lot of salt on it. But they take and they form it into little balls, and then they kind of flatten it out and use it to scoop up other food. Yes, ma'am. So you're, um, they, you're teaching in English, but yes. do you also know the language? Um, I know a little bit of Swahili. This time, because I'm going as a longer-term missionary, I will have to do um, language training probably next summer. Um, we're asking that I put it off for a year so I can go ahead and start the school year. If I had been able to get there by this summer, I would have gone ahead and done it. Um, the school year. Um, the Kenyans in the area actually mostly speak three languages. They speak English because it's taught in all the schools. Um, they speak Kipsigis, the local tribal language, and they also speak Swahili, which is the trade language for most of East Africa. And so many years ago, missionaries had to learn Kipsigis, which is tonal, meaning different pitches mean different things. And thank goodness I don't have to learn that. Um, oh, I would be terrible. I'm not, I'm tone deaf. I'm I'd walk around asking for all kinds of wacky things. <laughs> Heaven only knows who I would offend. So, <laughs> And actually, the truth is, you how many of you have seen Lion King, the movie, oh, yeah. The Lion King? Chances are you know more Swahili than you realize, because um, there's actually a lot of Swahili in that movie. It's been many years since I've seen it, um, but Hakuna Matata, it means... No worries. Very good. Um, Simba means lion. Um, the main character, Rafiki, the baboon with the long stick. Um, Rafiki means friend. Mufasa, I, somebody told me, I looked it up in a dictionary and couldn't find it, but somebody told me it's a very old word for father. I think it 
just sounded more poetic than you know the more modern terms that they take that. But it's not in the dictionary anymore. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, they actually cut girls' hair really, really short. Um, in fact, <laughs> some of the only. Um, it's very difficult. Well, it's very expensive to take care of of longer hair for girls to get it braided and to keep it clean. And so most of the time, um, they just keep girls' hair very short. So they do. It is it is sometimes difficult um, to tell the difference between boys and girls. You have to be very careful. <laughs> so clean water is still a major issue. Mm -hmm, it is. In fact, if you saw the big black tank that um, yeah. one of the missionaries that's a rain tank. Um, and so they were carrying that down. They bought that for um, the um, Bosto orphanage um, that we work with. Most of the missionaries have adopted a local orphanage. There are many in the area. And so we travel out one or two weekends a month and work, kind of partner with whoever's directing that um, and go out and play with the kids and, and make sure they have what they need um, and sometimes um, do things like buy them rain tanks. Um, Yes, ma'am. In the area where you are, do you see any evidence of uh, Heifer International? Not where we are, um, but in some of the larger cities, um, like Nakuru maybe, or Caricho, you would see that. Um, I don't know of any in our area, no. So they work more in, in cities than farming areas? Um, yes and no. Um, cities is kind of a misleading term in Kenya. Um, <laughs> um, it's, um, Nairobi's really the only metropolitan area. Um, even in larger places like Nakuru or Kericho, which we would call them cities, but they're really they're just large towns and around the outskirts. Um, but I'm guessing that um, I'm, I'm sure that the Heifer International is active in Kenya, but they would probably have offices in, some, in a place like that where they could reach out to the communities around those cities if they were going to rather than if where we are in Beaumont we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere so just as a comment yes sir the people that we saw some of the most attractive people they're beautiful. I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. As a whole, so one kid that needed some work with his teeth. Yeah. But other than that, it's almost like you hand hand picked beautiful children. <laughs> um, it's true that I'm probably drawn towards taking pictures of cuter children. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, but uh, but they are there. But on the whole, a very beautiful people. Um, and uh. And the kids have had the benefit of growing up in a community where there is better health care. A lot of the adults are not quite as attractive. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I wanted to comment on, on their healthy team. Mm -hmm. The duty that Jim said mm -hmm. of the children, but do you notice how healthy their teeth look? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Maybe. It is. And it's probably... Um, like I said before, they've grown up in a community in Tenwick um, because it's so large. I mean, there are between 12 and 25 or so missionaries who work there, but there are over 500 Kenyan employees who work in a medical area, and so they're much more aware of hygiene, um, about clean water, about how to about sanitation issues, and so just in that community um, and in those areas, it's 
it's a little bit different than you would find in most areas of Kenya in just in terms of their awareness of, of those kinds of issues and how to take care of themselves um, in terms of, of having a dentist available. It, you show some look like mud huts. Mm -hmm. Is that their typical housing? Um, Kipsigis live in the rounder mud huts. In the cities, you saw those blue buildings that were kind of clumped together. Um, and that's those you'll often see kind of a kind of a shanty town outside of cities um, in slums. I didn't have any pictures of Nairobi slums um, there, but uh, you'll see kind of the card the cardboard or the trying to sheet metal houses around cities, but where we are, there are a lot of mud huts. Um, the Maasai people that we don't, they'll come to the hospital, but we don't work in their area as much, um, but they have square huts. Um, but the Kipsigis have the round ones with the grass roofs, yeah. And the dirt floor. Mm -hmm. Yep. With the upcoming elections, how, how did the missionary effort uh, interface with Kenyatta and the man who's going to be running the country probably? Um, well, we're <laughs> um, we try not to comment too much on that. Um, we, uh, when I was there in 2008, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of unrest following the 2007 elections. There was disagreement over who won. There was um, accusations of of corruption, which were most likely true. But it's a bit like the pot calling the kettle black. Both sides bought so many votes that it was a little disingenuous for the one side to accuse the other side of it. Um, but it, things did get very tense for a while. We thought we were going to have to be evacuated. Um, there was a mob that marched on the hospital, an angry political mob. But thankfully, at the last minute, they were, they were diverted and went and burned down a politician's house instead. But he wasn't there, so we were okay with that. Um, so, <laughs> um, so um, the Lord really, really protected us then. Because um, you could hear them coming. You could hear the the crowd um, in the distance and um, you could hear tear gas canisters going off as the police tried to stop them um, but in the for the most part um, especially in that instance they didn't care about missionaries um, it was purely a tribal issue between tribes um, close to 2,000 people died in that conflict um, and none of them were Wazungu none of them were white people they were all Kenyans um, unfortunately but they were we were not targeted at all um, we did see, um, because it was more difficult to travel on the roads during that time, it was much more dangerous. A lot of people were not coming to the hospital. Um, they weren't traveling from a long distance because you did not travel out of your home region away from your tribe. You stayed with your tribe for protection. Um, you didn't travel into a, an area of a different tribe. And so they things were pretty slow at the hospital for a while and as soon as um, Kofi Annan came in and helped sign a peace treaty and a power negotiation treaty um, in I think April of 2008 and as soon as that was signed there was an influx of all kinds of people who had been waiting to come to the hospital but had been afraid to travel and so that really that affected us that way did that answer your question and so we're um, thankfully this past year they just went through another election cycle um, and a new, a new guy was elected. Um, he's actually um, going to stay in trial um, at the International Criminal Court for his behavior in the last election. But he's our new president. Um, I don't know how he'll, you know, how he's going to rule the country from, you know, while he's standing trial in another country. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. And it was a contested election, but the political parties went through the court system and they um, 
they have abided by the court's decision that it was a legitimate election. And so thankfully, we, things were kind of tense for a while, but nothing erupted into violence. And we are very, very grateful um, and really see that, um, see the Lord's, see the Lord's hand in that, um, in that peaceful process. Yes, sir. At ten weeks duty, families provide the food and the care for patients in the hospital as in other third world countries. Um, yes and no. If the if the patients can document that they cannot pay, there is a needy patient fund that will pay for them. But um, but most of them pay. There are 500 Kenyan employees that that have to be paid. So it has to be a profit making hospital. They have to make some profit in order to pay. Um, for the other employees, and so um, it is. It is a very cheap hospital. In fact, a lot of missionaries who are retired have come back to Tenwick to have surgery done because it's cheaper to come back and do that. Um, and uh, it's it's a state of the art hospital. They have CAT scan machines, um, heart and lung bypass machines. Um, and I I personally would rather have um, a medical issue when I was there than when I was here in the U.S. I trust the doctors there. Know that they're excellent physicians. And so um, I think um, often anesthesia that goes along with some outpatient things is optional. So a lot of women choose not to have an epidural because it's an extra $8. And so they choose to do without it, um, just to give you an idea. (laughs) Um, Whereas we're saying $8, goodness, give me three of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or more, that's right. Um, But it is... In terms of what we think of as, as healthcare costs, it is very, very cheap, um, and so we try to provide it um, in a way that is affordable to them, but does help cover the cost of the hospital. Oh, and it is time, I think. You were right. So, all right. Any last question before we go? All right. Well, thank you all very much for having me. There are the tea and um, my sign-up sheets and a prayer card. Please take a prayer card. If you're interested in partnering with me financially, let me know. I would love to talk to you about it. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Lisette. That was wonderful. Wonderful. You could see the interest in way we enjoyed that by the questions that were asked. We hope it works well for you. We knew the announcements went fast, didn't we? Well, one more. Uh, the nominating committee is working along with its trying to fill all the little slots that we absolutely have to have, we think. And we still need someone to do programs for the coming year and not teach the whole year, but find people to do programs for the year. And we also need a couple more, three, four people on the social fellowship committee. So really, really, we'd appreciate your volunteering in there. It's It's hard to call the whole list of hundred and something people and ask you what you'd like to do. So please come to us, a member of the nominating committee. Uh, as I was reading our Bible verse this morning, I thought it's kind of like things your mama told you, like wear clean underwear and pretty is as pretty does. And this is just one that we need to think about and remember. It was about 2,700 years ago that this particular one was written. From the book of Micah, Micah the prophet, 6, verse 8. And what does the Lord require of you and me? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So have a great week.